Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Steve. And you're listening to Voulez-Vous with Zach and Steve. On today's podcast, we talk about Zach's favorite movie of all time, Super Troopers. The Untouchables. The Untouchables, <laughs> starring Danielle Steele. Super Trooper beams are gonna blind me, but I won't feel blue, like I always do. Somewhere in the crowd there. Zach, happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. I, mean, I feel like it was just our last summer weeks ago, and all of a sudden. You know what happens when it's summer? Put on your white sombrero. Mm, can you believe <laughs> it's so hot out? It feels like we have a super trooper on us. <laughs> God, you are going on and on and on with these ABBA jokes. <laughs> you know what they say, the winner takes it all. Mm. Andante, andante, my friend. <laughs> Elaine. <laughs> I could live for that laughter. I could kill an infant to hear you laugh like that. Is that an ABBA lyric? I yep. could live for that laughter. I could kill an infant. <laughs> Crumple up the paper. I That'll never do. Infant. That won't fill an arena. <laughs> the arenas we hate. Yeah. Zach, I did not say this in our pre-show talk, but I'm a little keyed up today. How so? Recently, I feel like after seven and a half years of living in New York, I'm finally getting like the moxie to say something when I get annoyed, uh-huh. which just means I'm on my way to becoming a grumpy old person. That's it. Uh, a few weeks ago, I yelled at this guy who was stuffing like religious pamphlets in people's bags when they weren't looking. Uh-huh. And I took it and I threw it back at him. Wow. And I was like, no, we don't do that. She said no. Today, this girl was really aggressive getting off the train and getting in front of me to go down the stairs. I hate she, that. She gets on the stairs and what does she fucking do? She pulls out her phone and starts walking slowly. Oh. Like, no one has texted you. Nobody likes you. Everybody's dead. <laughs> like, what do you have to check your oh phone for? Oh, my God. So I elbowed past her, and I said, if you're going to be aggressive about cutting in line, walk faster. And she went, <laughs> I know. And I, of course, wanted to turn around and be like, get off. I think what I should have said was, uh, get off of your phone. You're holding people up. Because I'm sure in her mind, she was like, I wasn't being aggressive. I was in line. Like right. When I thought logically about what I said, it didn't make sense. I know that there are days where I'm like, I'll get home when I get home. Like I'm playing on my Vita, and I wait until the very end of the line because I don't feel like going very fast. Right, right. But I'm someone who gets... V- uh, at times very hypersensitive about what's going on around me. Like, if I don't want to push, I'm not going to be at the front of that. But it's always weird to have people who, like, get to the front and they push to be first, and then they just, like, saunter around. Like I don't understand that. If you're going to be front, be a front runner. It's like people who walk in the middle of the block slowly looking at their phone. So I can't get around you either way, and you're going to be slow and you're going to take up space. Yeah. It's uncool. It's, it's inconsiderate. Not, cool people don't do it. Cool people don't do it. I've seen so many cool people who walk fast on the extreme right-hand side of the sidewalk, and I think they're so cool. That's the coolest thing you can do. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Doing coke? 
knock that out of your hand. You know the new cool thing? Walk on the far right-hand side of the sidewalk. Real fast. Not looking at your phone. Yeah. I'm also reading um, my favorite, favorite thinker and writer and speaker around. Ayn Rand. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite. Do you know about Ayn Rand's funeral? No, no. Is this a real story that you're going to tell? This is a real story. And I read it in a book. Oh, I forget who wrote it. I feel like maybe it's, I think it's Adam Gopnik. Who's the guy who writes for the New Yorker about about politics? And he like wrote two or three books about the Soviet regime, Uh which we'll get back to when we talk about Happy New Year. Of course. Um, But uh, he told this story in his book about Ayn Rand's funeral, where at her funeral, next to her casket, were two like five or six foot tall golden dollar signs and they played the song Long Way to Tipperary. Wow. Which I only know Golden dollar signs? Golden dollar signs. And I only know the song Long Way to Tipperary because I saw the the movie about Amelia Earhart starring the mom from Webster as Amelia Earhart. Wow. And she plays like a nurse in a Toronto hospital during World War I who sings it while she plays the piano. What, is, how, what does the song sound like? It's a long way to Tipperary. Well, I started really high. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> uh, That's like starting the Star Spangled Banner too high. You're in trouble. Oh, say can't. Fuck. Yeah, see? That's what happens. Uh... Anne Rand. No, Sherry Turkle. <laughs> she's my favorite writer around technology and humans, and she's trained as a psychologist. Uh-huh. Not trained. She's not a dog. She writes for The New Yorker, no. you said? No. I learned of her from this documentary called Digital Nation, okay. which is great. Okay. Um, and she has a new book called Reclaiming Conversation, and she's written a series of books where she's like, technology has all these possibilities. And then in the late 90s, she was like, Okay, here are different ways people are interacting with technology. And her last book, Alone Together, was like, here are some slightly troubling ways that people interact with technology. And now her new book is like, holy shit, people's personal relationships are suffering because we have devices in front of us all the time. Yeah. So um, it's in my mind as I read this book about all the times my device is in front of me instead of interacting and it just strikes me like when your device is in front of you, you think very much like it's me and the world. Like it's very much a personal relationship, but you're not aware of what's going on around you at all. Right. Um, and so this girl taking out her phone, I want to be like, you need to read Sherry Turkle's book. It's only in hardcover, but if you're a Barnes & Noble member, you get 20% off. What if you just had a lot of copies that you passed out like tracts? I wish. I feel like when I read Sherry Turkle's books, it's like reading the Bible to me. Yeah. Like it provides that same rush of like, this meets me emotionally and it meets me mentally. Like, if I were to highlight the books of hers I have, I would highlight 50% of it. I would like to read that. That's interesting. She's incredible. Her TED Talk is not great. Her TED Talk is not great. But when she's in Digital Nation, she says things um, that are powerful. Like, one of the things she reminds me of is, or that she says that I always think of is that before we can decide if technology is good or bad, we have to decide what our values are. And that's not so easy. Right. And I think that's uh, people who are techno enthusiasts sometimes just don't know what they really value. And people who are Luddites don't actually know what they value. Right. But you have to have that conversation around like, well, what parts of human interactions are 
are valuable to you and when can you use technology to create those interactions and when should you remove technology so that you can allow important relationships to exist? It's a tricky balance because I feel particularly being a person who travels a lot, spends a lot of time away from friends and loved ones and significant other and all this sort of stuff. It's, it increases a level of intimacy in a way because I'm able to stay in touch in a more intimate way than if I were on tour in the 40s and I was looking for payphones to call home once a day. It's a more constant and immediate sort of communication that you have with people. Mm-hmm. So I think on that level, I, I'm always hesitant to write off cell phone time as like uh, you're not being a person. Right. Because it's not as though you always go brain dead the second you put your phone in front of your face. Sometimes you're doing it with intention and you're doing it to connect. Right. Um, Looking at Instagram endlessly for hours while you're at dinner with friends is another story. So it's a, it's a difficult... It's not that difficult. But, it, but there is a, a, a lot of personal responsibility that I think we don't necessarily put on ourselves yet when right. it comes to phones. There's apparently a rule among like college kids, which she cites where it's called the rule of two or three, uh-huh. where if you're in a group of uh, like five plus people, if two or three people's heads are not turned towards their phones, so uh-huh. if two or three people are having a conversation, then it's okay for you to check your phone. But if you're having a conversation and it's you and another person or only two other people, you can't drop out until someone else pops their head up. Huh? Which is like a kind of like an, uh, I guess, an unspoken informal code in a lot of college age students' conversations. Um, oh God! But the net result that they even admit to is that it's a lot of people dropping in and out, so you're constantly repeating yourself. Yeah. Of like, oh, that oh, wait, what are you talking the hell about? out of me. I don't even like when somebody hasn't been in the room and they come in and they go, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah. Oh God. That explains why you have so many handcuffs around your living room. Like when you're in, you're, you're, you're in. Yeah, you need to commit. If if you're gonna come over and talk to me, I need at least three levels of very intimate levels. Hours is what I meant to say. Three levels: first base, second that, base. Is that wine in a can? Third base. Kick it yeah, in. can we talk about the fact that Soleil Mimosa has refused to send deliveries to our local wine shop? So good news, we have a new sponsor. <laughs> It's Underwood. Francis J. Underwood Oregon of House grown. of Cards has started his own wine in a can company. We're drinking the Pinot Noir. It's fantastic. It's a lot better than sugary sweet. Ugh, who needs it? Soleil Mimosa. This is stuff for adults, for people with culture and class and sophistication, much like the album Super Trooper by ABBA. Zach did it, guys. He just did the triathlon of podcasting where he talked about a wine in a can. He tied our boring conversation about technology (laughs) back to the topic, and he had black nail polish at the same time. That's right. Uh, My band band is in the middle of doing these uh, Green Day cover shows, Uh so I'm trying to look as pop punk as I can. What's your favorite Green Day song to cover? I really like playing... Um, we're all, we're doing Dookie through American Idiot. Yeah. So, that being said, 
I, I don't know what it's like to play anything before Dookie or after American Idiot, which is fine with me, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I really like playing Longview. I really like playing She. I really like playing the song American Idiot. I mm. sing that one also in our live show. So that's a lot of fun. Pulling Teeth off of the Dookie record is one of my favorite Green Day songs. And we do that, and that's a lot of fun. Huh. Very Beatlesque harmonies uh, and a fun groove. And a nice mid-tempo song in the middle of some really fast drumming. Yeah. I never play this fast as I have to play during the Green Day show, but it's very fun. Um, I only bought one Green Day record in my lifetime, and it was the one that came out in like 2000 or 2001. It was Minority? Like, or uh, I think it was Minority. There was one song I loved. Warning? Maybe it was Warning. Uh, I think it was like Dookie and then Nimrod and then... Nimrod is the one where it's like a black and white old time photo and it's like scribbled over the That's eyes. That's the one with, mouth, uh, right? with good riddance, yeah. Yeah, it was nice guys finish last. I think what's Brain Stew off of? Is that on Nimrod? We're doing Brain Stew during the show. That's fun. I'm trying to think of what song I bought this album for. I can't remember. There was one I really, really loved that was like super melodic, but I guess that's a lot of theirs. I mean, Dookie at this point, I think for me is like the blue album and never mind and it's just one of those classic rock records from the early 90s which are now classic because they're 20 years old and uh it's fun to do these shows because we're opening for a band called jukebox the ghost who are friends of ours and they're doing a set of queen music uh but the the audience that comes to jukebox shows and secret someone shows tend to be kind of teenage through like early 20s predominantly and then a lot of other people so they have no idea what you're doing so some of them know like get really stoked for the american idiot stuff and kind of know the stuff off of dookie and for us dookie was like the record we grew up with even though american idiot was like my junior or senior year in high school and i remember listening to that a lot when i first got my license driving around and playing that record and i I love it that one came out when i was in peace corps like probably 2004 2004. Five? Yeah. 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 My only real knowledge of American Idiot is one time I went to karaoke where someone requested in this like private, you know, those like Korean yeah. karaoke yeah. rooms requested like two different songs from American Idiot and they were like the eight minute songs. Be like, oh, that's uncool. Just do the Pussycat Dolls. That's what <laughs> I did on my birthday. There was one time where I had. Et, Which one, like, Steve? When I grow up, it's the rest song. Uh, but I invited like 12 Pussycat people. Dolls deep Cuts with Steve Deep Lynch. Cuts. No, it was a single from their second album. It was? Doll Domination. Fuck uh, off. That's what it's called? Yeah, it's great. Wow. Um, yeah, I invited like 12 to 15 people. So we were all in this Korean, like this like long, long room with like these long, creepy, velvety couches. My best friend Lauren and I like request when I grow up on my fucking birthday. I get up there, and as the music starts, like, one by one, uh-huh. when I get up, first time, my birthday, everybody leaves the room except my one friend, Marissa. No. Who's like, woo! I'll be right back. I'm getting a drink. By the pre-chorus. You, so were, the, like, you it, were the pee break, and it was your birthday? Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, Steve's singing. Pussycat dolls. Dude. I'm going to get a drink. I'll be back. And I remember being like, that's one of those things where I think about like early living in New York and I'm like, I, nobody actually liked me. 
Like <laughs> nobody liked me. Nobody actually wanted to hang out with me. They just showed up because like someone was paying them. Like some weird sort of like James Bond behind the scenes evil corporation was paying people to show up where I was there. You've come a long way since then. Yep, I have five people who like me. Here now. you are with a, a legion of fans listening to this podcast, you hanging on your every word. And Kate and Modern Huge and Scott Fitzgerald and Christine Tuna. And Christine Tuna, and there's another one. <laughs> oh, I know, Joan Didion. We have one other fan. <laughs> Joan Didion. Joan Didion. Ah, she keeps knocking at my door. Get away! You're gonna break your wrist if you keep knocking. <laughs> Uh, okay, you brought up Super Troop and I took us really far away. No, no, it's fine. This, I'm, I'm in no hurry uh, got, to talk about my favorite ABBA album yeah, so far. I thought about that when I was listening to this album in the past few days. I cannot believe you like this more than Vulevo. Why is that? There's some real duds on this one. And I don't think there's many duds on Vulevo. Okay. Vulevo had uh, the children singing one. What is it? Exactly. You can see the wonder of a fairy tale, even if the oh oh child. yeah 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 um um, I have a dream. Jesus, yeah, I have a dream. I have a dream is a dud. I have. It's a dream. boring. This one has ones that just also the track like Voulez-vous is cohesive and makes sense. Super Trooper is not cohesive. Well, here's what I will say. Say it. Listening to Super Trooper today, I feel that the. The highs on this record for me feel much higher. There are some lows, but the lows to me are merely benign and not totally offensive. Yeah. With Voulez-vous, I feel like I love the highs, but there's a lot more for me that's kind of in the middle, like I can take it or leave it as a record. Yeah. With the exception of a few songs. This record for me has more stuff that is essential to me or really good, and only a few that are like, eh, whatever. And even those are not so bad. But even that, that reminds me of like the mid, mid-career ABBA stuff that we were like, ugh, you have these three great songs, and then what were you doing? Well, but that's my point, is that some of that stuff is really bad. Like okay, there are songs on there that are like just turds. And this, at, at, I think this album at its worst is listenable. And sort of fun. Yeah, you know? yeah that's true. I re- What's the worst song on this record in your estimation? The Piper. I would agree. And I mean, that it's even weird, is like kind it's like, of cool in, in moments. Ugh. I think it's, that, so, it's so like a uh, Ren Fairy. Okay, but the verse, like the intro verse, reminds me of like uh, Africa by Toto. It has this kind of tight, like guitar synth almost funky sort of groove and then when you get to the chorus and it's about a piper then i kind of check out but even that song which i would agree is the worst well is is pretty cool at times it starts off kind of like kind of sexy yeah I'm menacing like, i'm gonna go and then it's like talking about a piper and i'm out like right the flute comes in i'm out i I'm hate with it i'm with you i hate it too but then steve what's after that how I'm hard looking. does this band redeem themselves with Lay All Your Love On Me. Yeah, that's the thing. When I was thinking on the G train that I was taking to get here, I was like, this album is no voulez-vous. And then I was like, wait a second. This album has Super yeah. Trooper. Yeah, dude. The winner takes it all. On and on and on. Our Last Summer and Lay All Your Love On Me. That's like, oh, and The Way Old Friends Do, which is one of my favorites. Like half of it is like fireworks Colossal. in the sky. Yeah. And... I'm more and more convinced that maybe the winner takes it all as their best song. 
Wow. I love Lael. Your Kate love agrees. Me. Kate is nodding. I hear the winner takes it all, and I just think like the fact that it's got that weird disco outro, kind of, mm-hmm. but it still is so emotional. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. I apologize if it makes you feel bad seeing me so tense. No self confidence, but you see. The winner takes it on. sings the chorus again she just sings the winner takes it all and goes forever and there's just like harmonies and fucking yeah. chiming pianos it's incredible that song gives me chills for sure i feel uh very emotional toward that tune i listened also, to the susan boyle cover of the winner takes it no, all when she, she did performed not cover it that on the uk no the lottery headquarters tv show yeah. I mean, I mean, insert Susan Boyle clip here. I'm going to say this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I used to live in my studio before I moved in with John, uh huh, I would have a lot of bath times. Your special friend John. My special friend John. <laughs> no one can see him. Uncle Steve's friend. <laughs> Uncle Steve's. <laughs> Uncle Steve's friend, special John. Uh-huh. Special, special John, John. Grandma. <laughs> Grenoir. Yep. In my studio, I would have bath times like once a month, mm-hmm. and I would put all my well, IKEA you would have all your friends over everywhere. to hop in the bath with you. Yep, <laughs> my two friends, uh-huh. and I would light all these votives all around the apartment, and I would play one of two things: uh-huh. one, Jesse Ware, uh-huh. or two, Susan Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, she is so comfy. You're such a mom sometimes. No, I'm a mom all the ninety percent yeah, of the time. All the time. Um, her cover of Wild Horses Fuck off. is one of my no, no, favorite no, no. covers of all time. No, no. Have you heard it? Susan Boyle is no, like... No, that wasn't the question. I have not heard it. Zach. Susan Boyle is like you, you when your grandma sings and it's like, it's so nice to hear no, your grandma sing. No, it's not nice. Sing. She's a powerful vocalist. <laughs> She's a powerful vocalist. She's, and I don't just want to say competent. The way she sings Wild Horses, <laughs> she wrings emotion out of a song that I I don't like very much. Like, I've even heard the Tori Amos version. I'm like an emo 90s singer-songwriter uh-huh. female. Uh-huh. Like, I went to three little affairs, Zach. You did? I hear the Tori Amos version of Wild Horses, and I'm like, it's fine. Wow. I hear Susan Boyle sing Wild Horses, and I feel emotions I didn't feel. And Susan Boyle performs Winner Takes It All on some... On like TV a show? lottery show. What, and it's good? Zach, uh, okay, hang on. We're going to pause. I played all my cards. And that's what you've done too. Nothing more to say. No more ace to play. The winner takes it all. Versus standing small. 
Okay, so we've just listened to Susan Boyle's The Winner Takes It All. Um, we'll put up a link so that you, dear listener, it's, can also watch it. Listen, if there's also someone to talk about like the sorrows of life, it's Susan Boyle. Yeah, that's fair. Here's what I'm thinking about that Susan Boyle performance. Yes. Um, Anyeta has, she's a more soulful singer. Which, yeah. It's difficult to sing this song from a technical perspective, but also she is really going through it on this tune. And the way she phrases it, like Susan Boyle's delivery just then was very, she hit all the notes, but it felt very square to me. And Anyeta has this beautiful back phrasey stuff in the end of this tune. The The whole way she delivers this song is very, uh, it's more soulful, I think. It's more of a torch song in her hands. Yeah. There's two different stories to how she recorded this. Mm-hmm. The first being that she wept the entire time she recorded the vocals. So just it like constantly like, weeping. It sounds like she did it at least at some point. Two is that she sang the whole thing and then just wept like crazy when it was done. Wow. Uh, but at this point, she had been through... She had like 18 months worth of relationships that had failed. She had been in two different relationships that had failed. And then she recorded this. Wow. Yeah. You this, mean two different relationships after, after Bjorn? her divorce from Bjorn. Wow. Yeah. God. And it was right before this album was, was released when Benny and Frida also broke up. Dude. So they were like at their most tumultuous and released these incredible songs. Now here is From a, their second best album. Okay. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's an overarching thing that I feel on this record. There, there is not. There's maybe a couple moments, but almost no moments where I have that like, oh God, you're trying to write in English and you don't really speak English. It is so much more coherent and cohesive mm-hmm. as an English language record. Like Super Trooper, Winner Takes It All, Lay All Your Love on Me, Our Last Summer. These have really, really good. I think they're best lyrics. Well, lay all, I'm going to leave Lay All Your Love on Other me. than Shooting a Sitting Duck. Yeah, because I just think about that lyric. But I think, uh, for example, Super Trooper Ugh. Uh, and Our Last Summer are like so uh, specific in their writing. Mm-hmm. Especially Our Last Summer, like, th- like we're at this specific place and this specific thing happened. And it's like, it feels very much like a song that even though it's about one person's particular memories, you can attach it to yourself. Oh yeah. And it's universality is like, uh, is because it's so specific to one person. Mm -hmm. And super trooper is also like, (laughs) who else can really attach themselves to the meaning of the song? Except people who've been like, had ridiculous stardom. Well, yeah, but not. I'm not saying that is a weakness. I'm saying like it's so specific, but the writing is so strong because of it. Right. the The thing about that, I think I I am comfortable saying that that's my favorite ABBA song now, huh. Super Trooper. Huh. I kind of, I never really paid much attention to it before. Something about the fact that it opens the record so beautifully. I think it's the best opener on any of these records for me. Thematically, the way it builds, the way it leads you into the album, I think is so gorgeous. And lyrically, it's it's such a great 
concise, well-said story about being a person specifically on the road, touring in a band, feeling lonely, and having that elation in the chorus, just knowing that the person you care about is in the room that day makes it a bit better. Yeah. I think if you remove the performance element of that, that's a feeling that everybody can relate to of kind of going through a -a workaday routine and feeling kind of humdrum and beaten down by the monotony of your life and having one person just kind of lift you out of the doldrum of what you're going through. Yeah. That's a very universal feeling. As a person who tours in a band... by If It Wasn't For The Nights on the number one album of all time, Vuleville. (laughs) As someone who tours all the time, continue. As someone who tours all the time, it specifically speaks to something really um, specific and deep in, in that experience because you are doing this thing that you love so much and care so much about for about an hour or two of your day. And the rest of your day, when she says, all I do is eat and sleep and sing, wishing every show was the last show, so good yeah and and i read uh the blurb in robert scott's book where he talks about this song and he kind of makes it out to be a bit of a humble brag of a lyric like they're saying when she says facing twenty thousand of your friends how could anyone feel so lonely he makes that out to be like oh twenty thousand must be so hard right and i don't feel like that's the case with them i like we talked about with rod this just is their every day. Yeah. And it's not them saying, uh, you know, check us out. We're so fucking fantastic. It's them saying, this is our reality. We get on stage in front of 20,000 people. And I, you never expected being in that position, being in that place where you have worked your whole life to get, that you could feel so isolated from all these people who are here because they love the work you've done. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really profound statement. Yeah. And a hell of a fucking song. Yeah. It's a great track. It's recorded beautifully. And using that nickname for a spotlight as the title of the record and the title of the song, and it's this great little hooky phrase, Super Trooper, I I just think it's flawless as a song. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. And a recording. I think this is the record where... The really adult themes that we talked about, in the, mm-hmm. I think, in the very first episode, this is a very adult ABBA record. Yeah. Um, this song, "Winter Takes It All," "Our Last Summer," "Happy New Year," yeah, the way old friends do are like songs about being an adult. Yeah, and I really like that. Like, um, and it doesn't seem like they're, um, you know, I, 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 I am wary of the idea that you need pain and heartache in your life in order to write good songs and be an interesting artist because Mm -hmm. i feel like that is a kind of a a self-perpetuating cycle of misery but uh i feel like with this record it's very clear that they have something to write about whereas on some of their albums they're kind of searching for like I saw this King Kong movie on TV last night, or whatever. They're they're just Don't you gr- grasping. Dare dismerge the name of King Kong King song. Kong. Still in my top, I don't know, fifty albums. <laughs> there's six million. I I think uh, it's obvious that there's a focus to this record, 
because they were going through this stuff, specifically touring and breaking up, yeah, gives them a hell of a lot to talk about. But even, I mean, you could say King Kong song is silly, uh-huh. right? But you could even say about like Voulez-vous, like, oh, yeah, touring's really hard and you want to see someone. That could come off as very pedestrian. Sure, sure. Um, but I think that the lyrics here start to pull out these tensions between like really uh, joyful moments mm-hmm. and like uh, the mundane and the sad. It's And that's what I like is that they're not, there's no songs here about being depressed, really. It's about this tension between, like, boredom or, like, failed expectations. Like, yeah, it doesn't reach as far as despair. It's just kind of, like, giving up or melancholy. Like, The Winner yeah. Takes It All is a song about resignation. It's not about wanting to, like, it's not about listening to Evanescence or wanting to kill yourself. Right, no, It's just no. like, well, if you're going to win, I guess you're going to win. What can I do? And and the way old friends do is a great example of that. I oh I, f- my I feel God. like I mean that I I listened I heard that song for the first time listening to this album. Are you serious? Yeah, I never oh, had you've heard never it before. More of a gold. Right, it's like near the end of that record. Right, and if you haven't heard this, it's a live track. It this one sounds like it could be the Swedish national anthem. <laughs> yeah, it re- and the way they did it live sounds like it was sung before like a soccer game. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just keeps growing. It kind of sounds like Fernando to me, arrangement wise. This is their first album, according to Robert Scott, where they reached critical acclaim. Huh? And someone said, uh, a critic wonder if I can find it really fast, uh, was really, really thrilled by this record and said about it. Someone from melody maker, Lyndon Barber said, Unlike some contemporaries, ABBA make great pop songs that have magic, an ethereal quality that no critic can define, analyze, or rationalize. The winner takes it all as perhaps the supreme example of this ambiance. Lay all your love on me, and the way old friends do are more than just songs, they're hymns. Yeah. And we oh, said absolutely. that before, where like, uh, lay all your love on me sounds like an alien space sex yeah. hymn. And the way old friends do feels like eternal. Yeah. Like, yeah. the way... Oh, God, I love that song endlessly. I could listen to it on repeat and just feel joy and sorrow. Just like they say, joy and sorrow yeah. endlessly in that. Yeah. That's I a fantastic that example, I think, of what you're talking about, where it's not... Uh, I mean, this could be about uh, the the disillusion of a marriage or a relationship or a friendship or whatever, or you've just had a fight with someone who's close to you. Yeah, I was listening to it, and I was thinking, are they writing this about their marriages or did Benny and Bjorn have a weird altercation and wrote this about their relationship because it's not necessarily romantic. It's just that idea that it's that kind of adult resignation, uh, like a positive resignation of this looks really bad right now, but we'll work it out because we've always worked it out and we're old friends and that's what people who care about each other do. And when you think of it in the context of the divorce, it's really heavy because it's like, oh, God, 
Yeah. We're splitting up, but we know we're going to keep working together and we know we're going to work it out in one way or another. It's so, it's so adult. Yeah. And so beautiful and so sad. I think, uh, Abba Gold's last song is Thank You for the Music. Yeah. And I think. Uh, Waterloo. Oh, okay. But Thank it's you for the music the end, and then right? Waterloo, which is weird. Um, and then I think the way old friends do is either, again, like the last song or the second to last song on more Abba Gold. Uh-huh. And I remember as a kid thinking like, I always assumed that the way old friends do was like their reunion song. Like <laughs> two years after they did their last album, they did this like weird epic pop hymn. Yeah. That's why everyone's clapping and at the end so yeah, much. Yeah, and it's like so great. But it yeah. no, it's like on their second to last album, Thank You yeah. for the Music is part of a weird musical that they wrote. Yeah. So they right, wrote these right. things that are like, I think, really symbolic of their relationship and their band and like what they stand for. Mm-hmm. But they happened in the middle or end of their career, but it wasn't their penultimate gesture. Right. Not ultimate. Yeah, not not their ultimate. Penultimate is second to last. Second right? to last. That yeah. makes no sense to me. I want to talk about on and on and on for a moment because yeah. th- this is, I think, I love this chorus. Yeah. I love this melody. I love this track. It reminds me of ELO. Do you know what the song was inspired by? ELO? What? The Beach Boys. Really? That Robert Scott says, it's clear that they were stealing from the Beach Boys' Do It Again. I don't hear that at all. I definitely hear... Especially with the harmonies, the tight like pre-chorus. Oh, incredible! It's so good, and it reminds me of Electric Light Orchestra. So does, is it me and I? I love me, me and, and I because it sounds like what starts as like an Olympic anthem, uh huh, and then suddenly it turns into a weird song about someone really having like being a Gemini essentially, right. <laughs> like. It's got those weird, like, <laughs> farty, late 70s fake trumpet synths. Yeah, it's great. And then it's, I love me. And it's on my, like, best of ABBA B-Sides playlist on Spotify that I cool. make when I listen to on trains. Cool. I love me and I. I love it, too. And I love on and on and on a lot. The lyric is hilarious if you really pay attention oh, to yeah. it. And it was like based off of them actually being at a party. Being at a party. Someone comes up. I love the, the pre- again, another great ABBA premise. They set up this song by saying, I was at a party and someone came up and they said, people have no respect for human rights. <laughs> it's like so fucking heavy handed. And then you're going to end up into this chorus. It's like. Baby, keep on rocking till the night is yeah, gone. Yeah, that's what's great is on there's, on there's on these on. people who like flirting with them. There's people who want to talk about human rights. <laughs> and then like Abba, their only response to them is either one, I'm not exactly waiting for the bus. Uh-huh. Or two, <laughs> keep a rocking baby till the night is gone. Yeah. Be like, they're idiots. Yeah. They're so dumb. They're like rock and roll uh, robots. I, I, I also that. like the line. I said, who am I and who are you and who are we? Because uh-huh. it reminds me of the episode of Saved by the Bell <laughs> where Lisa is pretending to be like an intellectual. And she says, what is art? Are we art? Is art 
art. <laughs> Every time I hear on and on and on, I think of Lisa Turtle trying to pretend to be an intellectual. There you go. How is this not your favorite ABBA record? Makes you think about Lisa Turtle. <laughs> this song is great. What I love is uh, these songs are really clearly on this record synthesizer songs. Like their yeah, synthesizers yeah, 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 are yeah. out in full blast. Yeah. This is what I mean by the ELO thing. There's also vocoders yep. on quite a few tunes. Uh, Andante Andante is kind of a fine song for me. I don't Barf. really... Yeah, I don't care about it, but I don't hate it. It's got... Uh, they do this in some of their better songs. I can't remember which ones. It was the one off of Arrival. Uh, mm-hmm. That song structure where it's like... Uh, um, where it's like four four lines and then a two-line repeating chorus. Four yeah, lines yeah, yeah. and a two-line repeating chorus. Like it's a very traditional American songwriting structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andante Andante is so boring. Yeah, kind of, a, kind of a snooze. Happy New Year is cool. Again, so sad. Yeah. It's yeah. so bleak. Yeah, it is. It It's no surprise to me that of, out of all the ABBA songs... The ones the Soviets loved was the one that was like, life is great. Life is sad. Happy New Year. Yeah. I also, I saw the title having not heard the song before and I was like, why isn't this a New Year's Eve staple? Because Happy it's, New Year. Because so, it's fucking dark it's as shit. Toad, so depressing. This was a song they tried to convince John Cleese in the Bahamas to write a whole musical. Around this one Around song. Happy New Year? Yeah, they were like, here's the premise. Friends are hanging out in the new year. Uh-huh. And they're thinking about the past and the future. Hey, guys, I think musical concepts are actually your weakness. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. Hey, have you heard of chess? Musical. <laughs> have you heard of Grease and Moms? Musical. <laughs> I think they need to outsource it to India. <laughs> Like, this is such a bad... Co- and weirdly, surprisingly, John Cleese was like, I'm going to pass on this musical idea, but let me know about the next one. Yeah. So bad. God. That's why John Cleese wrote chess. That's why John Cleese wrote chess. He was like, oh, I can stand behind this. Oh, an entire musical about a long, incredibly dull board game? I would love to be a part of that. When people are like, oh, you love board games, you love chess? And I'm like, No. No, I'm not a 16th century king. <laughs> Our Last Summer is fantastic. It's incredible. Yeah. My first experience of Our Last Summer was Mamma Mia the Musical. It's great. And this is much, much better. Than the musical? <laughs> than Weirdly. that English guy. It's gorgeous. What a great song. The pre-chorus is like tense. Yeah. And you're like, oh, everything's going to be weird and uncomfortable. And then it breaks in that chorus. And it, at the end, I forget what the specific lyrics are, but she's like remembering this past love of hers. And she's like, oh, now you like work for a bank and you have a family and you're kind of boring. Yeah. But they had some amazing times. They had some amazing times in Paris. And they pronounced the Seine, the Seine. The Seine. A lot of people do that in songs. Weird. I don't like it. Do you want to talk about your former favorite ABBA song, Lay All Your Love On Me? You have anything I, to say? It's weird. It has always been my favorite, but traveling through all the ABBA songs, I feel like it's it's such a standout. But it's still, it's. I'm not going to say it's hard for me to stand behind because there are some songs where I think like they're so great. It's just it's weird on this in this record because it feels like it should have been on Boulevard. 
It's just like a straight. Yeah. The disco. There are like two disco moments on this, and one is "Lay All Your Love on Me," which is uh-huh. like a disco song with eighty style production. And the very end of the winner takes it all when it starts to like kick in, yeah. and you're like, yeah, yeah, "Oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a yeah. disco ballad." Uh, yeah, See, I love I, all your love on me. I enjoy that "Lay All Your Love on Me" feels more like ABBA disco. And not like sometimes Voulez Vu gets more standard disco record vibe. And I love that Larry Love on Me still has some very ABBA trademarks. Yeah. Uh, with that kind of disco groove. Yeah. I mean, it's like clearly an ABBA song, but it's also a disco song, but very weirdly, like very forward leaning. Like yeah. the production stuff sounds super 80s. And so it's very like- minor key, uh, kind of gloomy writing yeah it's not if you take away all the production elements this would actually be a a great contender for like a sad acoustic version of an abba song because as a song it's very uh melancholy i can't wait till we do episodes on abba covers oh i can't wait beyond the susan boyle catalog yeah (laughs) and i also listened to the faith hill one Oh, I haven't listened to that. The one that they performed when ABBA was inducted into the Rock and that, Roll Hall of Fame. That's kind of uh, famously mediocre. Famously mediocre. Yeah. It's weird to look at Faith Hill's face sometimes because you're like, is that Britney Spears? JK, it's Faith Hill. It's Faith Hill. Uh, what's the last song on the record? Uh, the Way uh, Old Friends too. Incredible. Fantastic. And then the two B-sides. God. One is great. Jesus, God. Can we talk about something that I read? Put on your white sombrero. Was going to be on the record. Was Not only was it going to be on the record, it was originally the, uh, uh, it was in Super Trooper's place. Yep. Super Trooper was not written. It was like one of the last songs they did. Yes. And they were working on Put On Your White Sombrero for a long time. And somebody, very wisely, <laughs> was like, let's bail on this piece of shit maybe, and write another song. And they wrote Super Trooper. Maybe Thank God. Maybe this pastiche shit you do is not so great. It reminds me of like a not acceptable version of Happy Hawaii. Like right. the whole right. time I was I hearing... saw your little tweet, by the way. Which one? About how Happy Hawaii is so great and I was wrong about it. You little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Secret tweets don't work. Trying to Shh. sneak around me when we're not on the air. Um Happy Hawaii so is not terrible. It's not, I didn't ever say it was terrible. That. It's not terrible. It just makes me go. Does it make you go as much as put on your white sombrero does? No. Like, I can't even sing it back. You hear it, and the farty synth is playing, and you're like, oh, that farty synth is the melody of whenever what's her shit sings put on your white sombrero. Yeah, and they're talking about cowboys put on your white sombrero like a cowboy. I don't know. I don't like anything about it. Elaine is good. I'm so glad they got rid of it. Elaine is good. Elaine is nice, yeah. Though it's, I don't. It starts off really kind of like, ooh, yeah. And it feels yeah. like something you do jazzercise to. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then it like... It Sweat does into the oldies. It does like a very like C major to A minor type mm-hmm. thing, which I don't love. I feel like that's so easy. Yeah, I mean, that's a very popular progression. Well, everyone who's ever used it can suck on a Soleil Mimosa iced can that no longer supports us. Yeah. Uh, instead, why don't you try Underwood Wines, Pinot Noir... Oregon grown in a can. Juicy, sweet, plump to the last plumpity drop. Okay, listen. No shit. Their hashtag on the back of this can is hashtag pinkies down as opposed to pinkies up. Okay? 
we that's want weird you because to tweet. Soleil Mimosa's hashtag is pinkies up. Oh my god! Oh, well, what? fuck them. We want you to tweet at us and Soleil Mimosa and Underwood Wine in the same tweet, and we want you to let them know that we have pulled on a new sponsor. Hashtag pinkies down. Please have Soleil Mimosa's assassins put a red bead on both of our foreheads and shoot us next time we do a podcast. I want Soleil to rue the fucking day <laughs> that they crossed us, okay? <laughs> I am going to drink this red wine out of a can, and I'm going to be so happy about it. So happy I don't have to drink that orange juice vodka shit anymore. Ugh. Hey, That's what's, for, the, what's you know, that over there? Is that a bridge? Oh, not anymore. Zach just burned it. It's burned. Wait, what's that over there? It's burned. Another bridge? It's just burned you down know, You know what Soleil Mimosa is? Soleil Mimosa is ring ring to me now. It's, it was nice at the time, and we've grown past it. And now we're on to more adult, classy things. Underwood you, you. wines. You, you. You, you. <laughs> I found somewhere, I was like going through, because I ran out of storage, of course. Uh, and I was looking through all my old photos, and I had like a screenshot of the Swedish lyrics of Waterloo. Oh, yeah. I was like, I should lay down in a chamber of carbon monoxide. Very famously on this podcast, you performed it to open yep. one of our episodes. You, you. Blang, blang. Uh, Mi so... Waterloo, Napoleon, Vekirche. Oh, my God. I only remember that because you That's sang exactly it. how you proposed to me. And I say, yep. I do. You I, use I that. Do, I do, I do, <laughs> I do, I do, I do. Oh, you're on tonight. Listen. You're on like a million Las Vegas billboards. <laughs> How would you write this album? Lyric? So many things you've said today sound like album lyrics. Maybe I should have been a musician. JK, no one listened to me except my mom. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to use the pitchfork rating system cool. for this record. And you do a monkey throwing poop. I give Super Trooper an 8.9. Okay. If I give it a nine, it doesn't really give me any room in case I like the visitors more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, but you can do two 9.0 plus records. Mm, that's true. They've probably done it with like Joanna Newsom. I would, I would, yeah, <laughs> I would feel comfortable giving this, I would say a nine. I'm going to give Super Trooper a nine. Okay. If I'm going to pick up an ABBA album that isn't ABBA Gold. I am going to pick up Super Trooper, hmm. and I'm going to be pleased. And I would play this for non-ABBA fans and say, forget what you know, check this out, and okay. see what you think, and skip track four and six, or whichever ones suck. Half of them. Yeah, <laughs> No! Not half. There's ten tracks. There's ten tracks, and there were only two that we said. And Andante and Dante, and the Piper. The Piper. Okay. I'll give this a 7.9. Okay. That's very generous. Voulez-vous is an 8.2. <laughs> Did you all dig that GarageBand Latency remix? Classic. I don't I don't have a joke. DJ Latency. Like that it. should be my DJ name. Um, Do you have a DJ name? No. Well, that's why you don't DJ. We're hoping to DJ soon. Yeah, we're going to do it. There's a restaurant in our neighbor, in my neighborhood, uh, and Kate's called Abba the Restaurant. And we talked, Abba Bar and Grill. And we talked to one of the people who works there, and we're thinking, not thinking, we're planning on having a Sunday afternoon to evening Abba, Abba fucking party. rager. 
we'll just play fucking Andante Andante for 400 hours. Hope someone impregnates another person who can be impregnated. Yep. <laughs> That's it. That was a very gender neutral way to say that. I yep. really appreciated that. Listen, that's it. <laughs> We're done. Listen, that's it. That's our episode. I'm going to be uh, on the road in the month of November. If anybody's out there and wants to see my band play, Secret Someones, we are all over the United States through the month of November. Look at secretsomeones.com for tour dates, and we can talk about ABBA in person. Yep. Uh, my job with Secret Someones is just to show up on your weird online shows and then to try to provoke everybody into being really sexual people about love you, you on the boards people uh, that it. is false my people comp- really liked you i don't think so i think they tolerated me they mostly wanted to talk about how they loved all of your songs i think your experience is colored by john sitting next to you going don't write that and then but taking the, the people... laptop out of my hands <laughs> right but i think the people on the board appreciated the the colorful nature of your Zach's Remarks. band had like an online acoustic show that yeah. was pretty cool. On stage it. I loved it. Thank you. And I got on the boards and I was just like inciting, trying to incite provocative conversations like, who in the band do you want to have sex with the most? Yeah. What do you want to do to them? My, what do you want to do to them? <laughs> oh man, when I look at Hannah, I feel like, mm. And John was like, okay, that's enough. I feel like my love is like, whoa. My, my sex is like, whoa. whoa. That is a good song. I yeah. heard it recently at a yeah. coffee shop, and I was into it. Yeah. Um, Steve, how would we follow you on social media? Um, at There Is Thunder. Oh, you don't say. At There Is Thunder. I will say we are looking to have more people that we can interview and talk to on the show. So beyond us just talking about albums and stuff that ABBA did, talking to people who know about ABBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you know someone who's written about ABBA or you are someone who writes about ABBA, please tweet at Cast on Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear how and who you want us to talk about. Yeah. Because um, as you know, after Super Trooper, their last album is Vulevu. That and is not true. It's the visitors. <laughs> the visitors. But don't tweet at us and be like, you guys should talk to Bjorn. We fucking know, okay? Yeah. We're trying. We've turned him down. Yeah. He, he was like, I'll come on, but I only want to talk about... Uh, um, my new fish. My, <laughs> I only want... Why can't I think of like a terrible tasting fish from that area of the world? Because there are no terrible tasting fish from the ponds of Bjorn's native land. Uh Ludafisk? No. It looks No, Bjorn, we're not going to talk about your wolf, wolf fish, fish that you breed. You know that what that's what he does now. He's like, "Have you ever combed your fur-lined coats before?" We're like, "No, we don't have fur-lined coats." And he's we like, "I want to talk to you about ABBA. nothing to talk about." What is ABBA? <laughs> what is this ABBA? Confess. <laughs> And, but you really should tweet at us questions you have or people you suggest that we have on the show. Yeah. Uh, what came up? Oh, the candy. <laughs> oh, you... <laughs> They're weirdly good. They got good. you. They got They're you, motherfucker. They're weirdly good. They're no gummy bears. Like, good luck coming up with something better than a gummy bear. I, but it satisfies a totally different thing for me. Gummy bears and Swedish fish are voulez-vous and super trooper. Okay, you just made it sound like Swedish fish were the super trooper of can like soft candy. I didn't say which, which was which. Your f- yes, 
respectively, you did. Oh, fuck, you're right. <laughs> Zach, thank you, as always, for so many things. Is there anything in particular? Your face? Mm. Yeah, um, you're welcome. What can I say? I, I, uh, There's I, one thing you I, could say. I carry it with me. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. I carry your face in my heart. In my face. In my face. I am going to get plastic surgery so my face looks exactly like yours. Wow. So no one can tell us apart. And then I can be like, me and I, me and I, me and I, me and I. Zach, thank you for the music. The songs we're singing. Thanks for all the joy you've brought to my life and my mom last night. Who can live without it? I ask in all honesty. What would life be? Without a song or a dance, what are we? So I say thank you for the music, for giving it to me. Goodbye. I can still recall This kiss, Fun liminal, Caliminal, Hansingido, Cabebido, Inscrutable, Insatiable. <laughs> it's the way you love me. It's a feeling like, mm. it's <laughs> the way we do it. It's your penis and, oh, this kiss, this kiss. <laughs>